0: Good morning. You know, sometimes the issue isn't really the issue. I mean, that sometimes people come to you with an issue, perhaps a criticism of something going on in the community, or maybe it's more personal, like something you've done. But the real issue may not be what is being said at all. The real issue is, for example, that the person wasn't invited to participate in a project and feels left out. Or maybe it was that this person is experiencing a rupture in an important relationship. Maybe they have just received a terrifying diagnosis for themselves or someone they love and can hardly make sense of it. Or maybe they were talking about Maybe you were talking about something else at some point and they they took your conversation out of context and there's a misunderstanding or there needs to be more conversation about something that they did understand. More often than not, it takes a little while to figure out what the real issue is when upsetness is in the mix. Do you understand what I am saying? I believe that we have all had this sort of dynamic happen from time to time in our relationships at work, at home, at church, in clubs. For whatever reason, sometimes conscious and many times unconscious. We don't want to address or perhaps find it incredibly difficult to express the issue at the heart of things. And so we latch on to something more manageable to skirt the real problem. I wish this weren't the case. I wish we would lend enough confidence and trust to be honest and or own what's really going on. But too often this is not what happens. I think that's what we find in our Gospel reading today in the Gospel of Mark. The Pharisees come into the crowd as Jesus is teaching and ask a question about the law of divorce. Now, maybe they're looking for Jesus to take aside on a controversial issue, or maybe they're hoping to provoke him to say something about divorce that will offend the powers that be, as John the Baptist did, and then Jesus will suffer a similar fate, as John the Baptist did. Maybe. Still, I wonder if the issue behind their question is less about divorce and more about order. What I mean is, the primary function of the law is to lend order to a chaotic environment, to put in place structures that serve to protect us in a dangerous situation. So for this reason, law is incredibly helpful, even necessary as well. Yet up to this point, at least from the point of view of the Pharisees, Jesus has been regularly transgressing much of what seemed to lend order to their world. Feeding everyone, not just some. Healing those with illnesses typically attributed to sin. Challenging traditions about Sabbath. Praising the faith of a Syrophoenician foreign woman. And criticizing the Pharisees themselves the community's normal arbiters of the law. So maybe the issue is divorce, or maybe divorce is just an example of the hoped-for order they perceive that the law creates. And the Pharisees ask, Ask him about divorce so as to test him to see just how far he's willing to go in disrupting the expected order of things. Jesus takes up their challenge, meeting the Pharisees at first where they have defined the issue. First examining the existing law and established acceptable exceptions to it, But then Jesus shifts to God's intent behind the law, an intent aimed at human flourishing. That is, law and order are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. His stance on marriage isn't simply bolstering an institution, but rather supporting an institution that supports the integrity and strength of relationships. And even that I think isn't quite the fundamental issue. In fact, I'm not sure we can understand what Jesus is trying to get at if we don't read the whole story in light of the end of this passage where Jesus welcomes children and blesses them. It's an interesting shift, is it not? Right after Jesus speaks directly to the topic of divorce in verse 13, Mark continues as if without taking a breath, saying they were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. A couple things to note About these verses that may help us to bring the whole passage together. First, the Pharisees and Jesus too, for that matter, begin by only talking about men divorcing their wives. That's how the question is posed in the first place, which makes sense in the context of its time since that was the law. Only men could divorce their wives under certain circumstances not the other way around. What does this lead to? More often than not, the result for the women whose husbands divorced them was pretty much total and complete disenfranchisement and economic ruin. This reality helps us begin to put Jesus' response in context. God intended marriage to be a union, a partnership, a supportive and mutually interdependent relationship. God's intentions should not be shortchanged by a law that allows one member of the partnership to abandon and ruin the other. Jesus goes further to reinforce his expression of that intention by not only talking about men divorcing their wives, but in giving identical instructions about women divorcing their husbands. Of course, this would not have been an option at the time, something no one had even thought to ask about as they began this conversation, but something that implies a certain equality of status and opportunity that is being put forth by Jesus, regardless of whether It existed in the law of the time or not. Second, it's immediately after this exchange that Mark recounts the story of people bringing children to be touched by Jesus. One could easily come to the conclusion that this narrative is a continuation of his response regarding divorce. If we take a second to consider who the they are, who would be bringing children to be touched, it's implied they are parents, single parents, women, divorced women even. Now, most often in Mark, when someone wants to be touched, that means that they want to be healed. So it may be that these children are sickly and vulnerable. The disciples' initial reaction is to rebuke the people and send them away. Jesus is indignant with the disciples' callous response, instructing that these people should not only be allowed to bring their children to him for a touch of blessing and healing, but that it is precisely these children, these suffering-dependent and vulnerable people, that the kingdom of God belongs to. That's important to remember that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, God's realm belongs to those most disenfranchised, the least, the lost, the lonely, the widowed, the poor and downtrodden, and yes, the divorced in this story. And it is likely this last assertion that would have shocked the community listening to Jesus at the time. Yes, law is important. I think marriage is important, and yes, Divorce is something that represents a painful tearing and separation of something God blesses. Everyone who's been divorced or part of a family of divorce or close to someone who has been divorced knows to some degree the pain of this tearing apart. Nothing I am saying is new news. But what is news, and indeed the good news in this passage, is that God regularly chooses to care for precisely those who have been separated and torn apart, those who are alone, dependent, vulnerable, hurting, and disenfranchised. Please, please don't hear me saying anything negative about those who have suffered through the experience of divorce. It happens under all sorts of circumstances for good and for bad reasons. The point is that whatever your circumstance is that leaves you alone, dependent Vulnerable and hurting, God is there with you, never abandoning you. And hopefully we will also respond to others as Jesus did, with not just a knowledge of the law, but with an understanding of its larger intention to support human flourishing may we respond from a place of compassion so that others can experience the kingdom of heaven alive on this earth. Not losing sight of that real issue, but walking with others through the heart of situations, remaining in connection and conversation through the tough times, just like God does with us. So a central theme found here and elsewhere in scripture is just that God is most reliably present among the vulnerable, the hurting and the dispossessed, seeking to offer a deeply healing touch and blessing to our lives. And if that's where you find God, then that's probably where God should find us. Extending grace and help and support and understanding and love for those who are down and out. Those the culture is prone to leave behind. Those without power. Those who are easy to miss or dismiss. For it is to such as these, Jesus says, that the kingdom of God belongs. And only when we recognize our own dependence and vulnerability and see ourselves in those who suffer can we imagine bringing about a different world, a world made right, and thereby fully be able to receive the rain and the presence and the blessing and healing of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, your words of hope and healing matter to us. With so many things challenging us these days, remind us that your words of grace matter more than ever, that your desire to receive us as children is first and foremost, and our words to each other of grace more, matter more than ever as well. It is through our words that God becomes present once again to those in need. Help us, O God, to use our words with love, forgiveness, and grace. Amen.